Hi, this is Marina Sirtis, and you're listening to Retrack. Greetings, salutations and welcome back to Retrek. I'm Captain Jim and with me as always is Admiral Elliot. Hi there. And we're back talking about Discovery but before we get on to the next episode there is a tiny bit of Trek news uh, that's recently broken. It's nothing exciting. Well, depends um, whether you're going to the San Diego Comic Con or not. Oh, um, Studio H. Yeah, they've got Hall H and they're doing a big thing and they've also unveiled like a new logo... Uh, for the overall franchise that it's it to be honest it's very similar to the Discovery logo um, but instead of having the um, Delta sort of bisected like the Discovery one has it's the full Delta and if you look really close up on it it looks like it's got uh, Aztecing on it as if it's the hull of a ship and uh, it's the same Star Trek font but they've sort of jazzed it up a bit and it's officially called the Star Trek Universe now. Yeah, I quite like having Star Trek Universe. Yeah, I'm, I mean, people uh, have talked about it anyway, yeah. so it's not new. Well, but, it's confirmed uh, uh, stars from Discovery, Picard and Lower Decks will be there. Yeah, that maybe there'll be some footage of Lower Decks which should be... Yeah, it'd be nice to see something. Or at least some concept art or something yeah. so we can get a bit of a handle on what it's going to well, be. What what style of animation would be nice to know. Yeah, exactly. Um, I reckon it'll be that. Uh, sort of what do they call it like the Chibli style or something that's like they did with the new Thundercats and the She-Ra and, yeah you know sort of J- Japanese influenced not realistic oh, sort of art style I don't know I don't know we'll have to have a look and we know it's going to be a comedy so I suppose you could get away with that yeah, kind of style yeah it a bit that style yeah but then they have said it's going to be in universe it's going to be canon it's um, yeah but they're still just going to play it for laughs. So, I don't know, maybe we'll get a bit more of that. Maybe a new Picard trailer or something. Yeah, I'd like to see something else from Picard. Like, like a full trailer. So we, we know they've got at least four episodes done now. Yeah. And other news, um, Discovery starts shooting again later this month. Oh, yeah. We, on the 2nd of July, by the way, when we're recording. So, yeah. later this month. So, by end of July, Discovery so will be back Probably by the time filming. you're hearing this, there might have been some footage have, yeah. from, <clears throat> from Discovery. Yeah. So, only a tiny bit of news, but um, we're going to be talking today about uh, the next episode of Discovery, which is Project Daedalus, and this was written by Michelle Paradis, who is going to become, as far as I know, the sole executive producer next Yeah, next sort of showrunner for Discovery, isn't she? Yeah, I think she was co-exec producer season two, but she's been promoted for that. And it's directed by Jonathan Frakes. Yeah, I think we've all heard of Jonathan Frakes. Yeah, we need to I go into have... his Star Trek background. <laughs> it suffice to say he's got all, some Star Trek pedigree. So. Um, we start off the episode then. it's There's a very sort of sombre mood to it all going on. We start with this big kind of orangey planet and there's a shuttle dropping out of warp and approaching the Discovery slowly. It's all very ominous, very yeah, dark. Yeah, Discovery's not fully powered <clears throat> up. There's yeah. no deflector leak, no in the cells. And then we find out it's Cornwall in this shuttle. And the reason we've been getting this sort of foreboding vibe is because this is kind of a clandestine meeting set. Yeah. Again, the last episode of Discovery kind of went rogue. Yeah, they ran away. The... Yeah, they did go rogue. Yeah, the they hiding. kind of go rogue. They did go rogue. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not sure turning the nacelles off is going to hide you. Something's looking well, for you. I'm assuming with space, like, 
I, I assume it's the power signature that they're hiding. Yeah. Oh, that um, makes sense. And a lot of the scanners would be looking for power signatures. True. Like, I know they've still got the warning beacons going. Yeah. But I don't think, like, the sensors are looking for something visual. The yeah. sensors at the distance will be looking for That's power signatures. Yeah, they couldn't really afford to send someone round every planet to check if there's yeah. discovery in orbit. And then we get, like, a bit of a scene with Pike where he brings her up to speed on the situation and he's kind of presuming that she's here to chastise them, really, but she corrects him says, you've no idea what I'm thinking. Yeah. And she wants to go see Spock straight away. She's kind of all business, which is... Yeah, you take me to Spock. Yeah. And then we go to the science lab and we see Cornwall's running like this future lie detector on Spock and it's coming up saying um, you know everything he's saying is the truth 100% yeah there's no no even inkling of anything being a lie and they do sort of talk about um, that these lie detector results are infallible and all this yeah which I wonder if it's still the same as we've got now where you can't use them in court because you'd assume that... Well, it looked like it was scanning brainwaves and all sorts. Yeah. So I think it's uh, somewhat a bit more... As goes on, like, your sweat and yeah, your pulse and all that. I think it was somewhat more... Yeah, but the, the reason I'm saying it is because if this is that in, infallible, surely they'd just use this every time we've got a, an officer on trial. Yeah. Or maybe it's just a thing of you still need to be convicted by your peers and they're Possibly. not happy for a computer to do it. Yeah, you know? it's, yeah, it's that not let, don't let the computers take well, over. Yeah, maybe they're about to learn a lesson in that kind of thing <laughs> in the rest of this season. So, um, There's quite a clever, almost like a visual gag where we get um, this sequence with the lie detector and then it cuts to Michael saying he's innocent. But she's actually talking about Ash to Pike and yeah. you assume she's on about Spock, but they're having another row about Pike, uh, uh, sorry, about Ash, Ash with Pike. Yeah, Ash um, Tyler at this point, the think he's caused a sabotage on yeah. the ship. He's uh, being sent to his quarters. Yeah, he, he was in trouble last yeah. week with Pike, but Pike's talking about Section 31 and what they're up to and he says... Uh, they've got a different priority to Starfleet these days, which again goes back to this picture we're building up of at this stage, Section 31 are a part of Starfleet. Yeah, yeah they're, they're a secret organisation but they're also in the open, they're known yeah, about... The, the working with yeah. Starfleet, with the Federation but we're starting to see how that begins to go wrong really at yeah, this stage. And... Michael's got this thing, obviously she wants to prove that Ash is innocent and Pike's still somewhat sceptical about it. Um, back with Spock and Cornwall, we've got talking about the Red Angels and, you know, why is it him that's getting these visions and that's something that's going to run through this yeah, episode. Yeah, he, he doesn't know though, does he? No. He, he can't... Ex- from his point of view, he can't find any reason for it. Yeah, and we get that gets delved into a lot more a little bit later on. They sort of explore why he's not able to see past it and everything. And there's a good line where Conwell says to Michael, perhaps you're defending him because he's your brother. And Spock says, not by blood. <laughs> not by blood, yeah. So Spock's not very happy with Michael at this stage yeah. either. Yeah, well, I think he's also fully aware that they're not really related, so... Yeah, I, I think he... I got the sense he were doing it almost to have a bit of a dig at her because he, yeah. he, he's very angry with her and maybe probably because the Talosians have dredged up all their memories recently, it's maybe he's a bit sensitive to it at Possibly. the moment. And we know that his, his faculties aren't working how they would usually. 100%. He's not 100%, yeah. is he? So he's a bit, a bit snappy for Spock at this stage. <laughs> and we get the video of... The alleged recording of Spock murdering yeah. the doctors. Yeah, he's got some moves on him, hasn't he, when he <laughs> yeah, takes them all out? Yeah, I mean, if it's not real, which we'll get into later in the episode, they've done a good job of um, yeah. making Spock look pretty badass yeah, in the video. It, it looks pretty badass, and it looks pretty real how he shoots their three doctors. Yeah. He takes them out, puts them on the ground, and then finishes them off. <laughs> yeah, yeah, pretty pretty cold. <laughs> Um, almost unemotional almost <laughs> <laughs> and then Cornwell as well talks about the admirals who run section 31 so again 
it's this idea that they're part of Starfleet. We've seen these admirals yeah. before. We know there's a Vulcan, a human, a Tellarite, and an Andorian. And Which is the four founders of the Federation. Yeah, and we're going to see him again later in this episode. Um, we find out more about the Vulcan Admiral, though, and it turns out that she's got leanings towards logic extremists that we've... Yeah. We, well, we saw these in Enterprise on. as well, didn't That's we? That's what I was going to ask you, actually. So you've recently rewatched yeah. Enterprise, and do we see the seeds of the logic extremists yeah. in that? Yeah, there's definitely there's def- definitely factions on Vulcan. Yeah, and then we we had a bit in season one, didn't we? In Lethe, the Sarek episode, one of them tried to blow up his shuttle, yeah. and so we we find out this admiral's got leanings towards them, and Cornwall's really concerned that she basically don't want a fanatic to be in charge, in charge of such of a something. powerful division, which makes sense. Makes perfect sense. Yeah, she's also worried that. Control has got too much control, for want of a better word. Yeah, that they're giving too much power to the machines. Yeah, the, the way she describes it is that the idea is it, it's kind of like a, a think tank and everybody feeds in the reports and yeah. the strategies and things like that and it, it evaluates what it thinks the next course of action should be. But Cornwall's arguing we shouldn't ever give up our, our personal opinions yeah. on it. It's a bit like... Um, do you remember that DS9 episode where Bashir has the genetically augmented people? Yeah. And they come up with this thing that... They, they work out the Federation's going to lose. And yeah, so they should surrender, and um, eventually the Federation will rise again, but it'll take 80 generations yeah. or something. And Bashir takes this to Cisco. And Cisco says, no way, you know, we're, we're fighting regardless of what your computer yeah. says or what your people in that case say. So it is something that runs throughout Star Trek is this idea. Well, that, we also have it in um, the original series with M5. Yes, yeah. Which it makes you wonder if uh, Control's possibly M3. Yeah, maybe or, so. Or, M, or one of the earlier M's. Yeah, it's kind of... <laughs> Yeah, M3 went wrong and tried to destroy the universe, but <laughs> M5's much better. <laughs> well, but, it wasn't. <laughs> no, true. <laughs> um, so, yeah, it's the, this idea that the thing that makes us intrinsically human or Vulcan or whatever is always going to be preferable to... A machine a making, machine making it Ones all. and zeros. Absolutely, Everyth- yeah. Everything's not always black and white, and you sometimes need that intuition and... Yeah. So, Good feeling. And, yeah, and that's sort of what we're getting at with some of this episode and later in the season. We set up really clearly what the thrust of this episode is going to be, what the mission is. We've got to get to Section 31 headquarters. We're going to arrest the Admiral, and we're going to alter control so that it'll start listening to us again. Yeah. And we also find out that... Section 31 headquarters is an abandoned penal colony just to make things spookier. Yeah. Just so we can have a, a haunted house thing a little <laughs> bit later on. There's a good bit with um, Tilly where she's quite nervous when the Admiral comes on the bridge. She's saying, oh, I've never been a fugitive <laughs> before. before. <laughs> and that's all good fun. Then there's a bit where uh, the Admiral says, let's go, you know, the sooner we get there, the better. And... I'd forgotten the spore drive had been sabotaged, so I was thinking, well, if you want to get there quickly, yeah. why don't you do that? But that's my fault, not paying enough attention yeah, to previous drive. Well, episodes. that's part of why Ash is locked up. Yeah. No, I remembered later on and felt quite silly. But yeah. um, So they set off, we go to the credits, we come back, and we come back into, um, not a flashback, but Arium reliving a memory. And yeah. it's... It's her, who we presume is her husband. It's her recently married husband had just been married. So I'm assuming this is the honeymoon. They're on a nice beach. And that's a memory that she's just watching over again. But then we see snippets of her day-to-day life. And we see that what she's doing is sort of sifting through her recent experiences. And she's deciding which ones to keep and which ones to delete. Yeah, she can delete delete. a memory. Yeah. It's so when she's just sitting in a turbo lift doing nothing, delete. Yeah, but she uh, keeps the ones well where... with friends and yeah, like there's a bit with her and Detmer and Awashikun and Tilly, 
and she keeps that and there's a bit where she's sparring with Reese. Yeah. And she keeps that. I get a feeling maybe she's there's a, bit a bit sweet on There's Reece. a bit where uh, Michelle smiles at her, Michael smiles at her. Yeah. And she keeps that. So I think it's anything where people are interacting with her. Yeah, she's she keeping keeps, the nice and it's stuff. just um, and boring stuff that goes. Yeah, which would make sense. Yeah. And we get, we find out that she has to do this every week, like review a log. Yeah, and but we also find out, like from looking at this, that she actually re- gets on very well with the yeah, yeah, the crew. Like it's something that has been faulted about Discovery is that there's not been masses of character development with a lot of the crew. Mm. But we've got um, Michelle. I can't remember her surname. The writer of this episode. Oh, Michelle Paradise. Yeah, Michelle Paradise is known for her character development yeah. and character-driven stories. And she just happens to have written this one. Yeah. And we get a character, a character suddenly being developed. That yeah, we've seen they for, do a lot with Arium in this episode. Yeah. So hopefully, going forward in season three, yeah. looking at this, we're going to get a lot of character development episodes. I mean, they are doing a pretty good job in terms of like, I know what the names are now, and yeah. you can put a face to a name now. But the, there are still a lot of characters that are really... We don't know a lot about them. Um, Reese and Bryce, I think, yeah. particularly. We we know what they do, but we don't know yeah. anything about them. Um, Arian says at the end of this episode, my memories aren't going anywhere, which, when you know the end of the episode, is a bit of yeah. sort of sad foreshadowing. Then we go to Michael and Spock and Stamets, and Stamets is kind of talking to himself, and... He starts getting annoyed because Spock and Michael are being really quiet and he asks them to start talking. But then he gets fed up with them talking because they're still, <laughs> bickering. They're still bickering like they were earlier but on. He also gets Spock tells him, hey, you do realise that it's an inanimate object and it can't understand yeah. you. <laughs> um, and there's, again, they're the touching on the why did, why did the angel pick Spock and they're sort of digging into... The pattern of the angel at this stage, like yeah. sometimes there's a burst and the angel appears, like it did on the asteroid and on Kaminar, but it didn't at Terralysium. And this is one that we said when when we came back and we'd seen the rest of the season. It's worth keeping an eye and seeing, trying not to give away too many spoilers, but in terms of what the nature of the angel is at that specific time, is there a correlation to when yeah. it appears? Um, so that's something to look at once we get a little bit later in the season. Um, we go back to Tilly and Arium and Detmer, and again, you see, like you were saying, this sort of camaraderie and banter yeah, between them. that we haven't been shown before. Because they, they have this three cheers for um, cybernetics bit. <laughs> yeah. And that that's between Arium and Detmer, and... Then, Arium, we get a flash of the three lights that we saw in the previous episode. And that at that point, she tries to sort of extract herself from the situation or get them to to leave her. And it's interesting thinking about what is her actual motivation at the moment. Is, is she wanting to push him away because she doesn't know what's going to happen if this thing takes her over? Or is she wanting to push him away because she needs solitude to get on with whatever it's... I I got the impression that she's pushing them away, that she's being controlled at this point and getting them out of the way so she can get on with stuff. Yeah, that's that's, that's where I was I, at with it. That's, what, that's the impression I get with it. Um, there's a scene we can contrast with it a little bit later on. Um, that Pike says, what kind of shitstorm are we flying into? <laughs> Which, you know, there was a big thing in the first season when... Um, Tilly and Stamets used the F word and it did seem a bit out of place whereas I think if they're going to have swearing in it this kind of works you know Yeah, it's the kind of thing someone would say yeah. um, so and it's a captain saying it to an admiral so it's if it was one of the lower grade officers maybe they'd get in trouble but I can understand it in this circumstance and it doesn't seem no, as out of place to me like if swearing's in it just to have swearing for effect, mm. it doesn't belong. But swearing in proper context is not a problem because we all use swearing in everyday language. Yeah. And if it's just how you normally talk, I don't see any problem whatsoever. I think it's more realistic. 
Yeah, I do. When they get to the facility, it's surrounded by mines, which we're told are banned by the Federation. And then Cornwall says, well, they're not built by the Federation. And Pike's got a great line where he says, I'd call that a distinction without a difference. <laughs> yeah. Which is... It's <laughs> got a point. It, Just because someone else built them doesn't mean that you can use them. Yeah, it's... Even... I mean, he had not thought of that. It could be that they were built by someone else. I took it to mean that Section 31 had built them and technically they're not part of staff, you know, I don't... Yeah, well, I took it as that it's required technology from somewhere else. That makes more sense, actually, yeah. And so they use it and it's not like, no, you've, you, your federation, you can't use acquired technology. Yeah. And then Pike says, sacrificing our values is to lose the war in advance because... Cornwall had said, you know, we were at war, so we built them, or, you know, whoever yeah. built them. Yeah, we were under attack by the Klingons, so, quote, ships. So I'm getting, you know, like you said about Michelle Paradise, she she clearly gets the characters, and, like, she's giving Spike... Uh, I said Spike again. <laughs> she's giving Pike some fantastic dialogue in this episode. And he, think, he, he questions Cornwall, is that why you sidelined the Enterprise? Because you knew that I wouldn't stand for this sort of thing and I'd keep nagging at you. And her answer is, you sat out the war. We sidelined you basically because you're the best. Yeah, because we wanted the best to survive. Yeah. And that, you know, that's what we've been saying is that Pike is Mr. Starfleet yeah. and it seems that it's not just the viewers who appreciate that, it's, it, it's people in the universe as well. Then we get a scene with Spock and Michael in Michael's quarters, and there's this bit where Spock's sort of half compliment her on the fact that her side of the quarters is much tidier. But he also has a bit of a dig, saying, like, you know, there's no personal effects or anything, so you're a bit closed off. And out comes the 3D chessboard. Michael seems to think that doing this will help Spock get to the bottom of it. And there's this thing of, he's annoyed that she thinks he needs fixing, but she says that he's arrogant to assume that he doesn't. Which, which, yeah. I like that. I like that Michael has got an insight into Spock, but on the other side of the coin, he's got a really good insight into her. Yeah. And it, it is clear that these two characters do need each other. Yeah, even they grew up together, so they do have these insights. It yeah. makes sense. And the, the problems they're both going through being more open with each other will help a lot and I think we do get a step closer to that in this one um, there's a bit a nice scene between Arium and Nan and they talk about augmentation and Nan's got this thing on her face and we find out that that is so she can breathe in our atmosphere. Now, I thought that Arian was being controlled again at this point. Did you? Yeah, and I thought she was asking the question for tactical advantage in well, the future. I think, well, <laughs> she, we do see later on, yeah. I At the time, I thought it was just a nice scene of them bonding, but I think you're right that that's why yeah, I, she was asking about it to find out. She, she'd like gone to where the sphere date was, which she shouldn't have needed for what she was mm. doing. And she's doing stuff then. And it appears that Nan is suspicious of Arium at this stage. Yeah. You know, there's a lot of scenes where she's kind of lurking in the background, keeping an eye on her. Yeah. And um, Arium goes to the bridge and she asks Tilly to stay by her. And I thought at first, like, she's wanting to do this so she doesn't look as suspicious with Nan there. No, I think she realised that some... I think that she's been taken over and then she's sort of coming back to herself. Yeah. And not knowing what's happened, but she thinks she's doing something she shouldn't be. Yeah. So she's asked Tilly to be next to her to watch. That's literally what, watching over her as a best friend. That's what I thought. Yeah. Later in the episode, in retrospect, yeah, I think you're right. And um, we see later on she sends Tilly away when she gets kind of fully taken over. So we keep we keep sort of seeing the lights flash in her eyes. Yeah. Sort of on and off, but it's not. It's not clear when. Well, it's, it's almost like it's. It's hacking, hacking her. Yeah. It's hacking bit by bit into... Yeah. It takes over and then gets kicked out... Yeah. ...by a firewall and goes a bit further and... And it, it's quite good in a way that they keep it a bit ambiguous, that we don't... There's no obvious flashing light that we know exactly when she's being controlled no. and when she isn't. 
and so you do have these scenes that you can read a couple of ways and can be quite ambiguous um, when they turn up another great line for Pike he says tell them Starfleet's most wanted ship is arrived <laughs> and basically they've got to fly through this minefield but we find out they've got to do it without the shields up because the mines are trained, attracted uh, to shields homing on the shields which again that makes sense if you're going to make mines yeah a ship's going to have its shields up so make it homing on it that it's it's quite nasty and sadistic but that yeah. is what you would do and the mines turn into great big circular saws so they're going yeah, through they're the hole big buzzsaw things yeah we go then to the the Michael and Spock scene which I think is sort of almost the centrepiece of this episode this is a really good scene for developing both of the characters and there's this thing of the sort of critiquing each other's play styles and each other's um, manoeuvres and everything and Michael accused Spock of trying to lose but they also talk about Sarek and you know Sarek taught me to play it like this and Spock seems to be kind of rebelling against that. You know, he don't want to play chess how his dad plays chess. And they do talk about, Spock admits there's sort of a mutual disappointment between him and Sarek. Yeah. And it's it's quite sad, really. It shows how cut off Spock feels at at this time. And he seems to be channeling that into winding Michael up, basically. So he... She says he's playing illogically just to disrupt <laughs> disrupt the game. It's almost like he's jealous as well of her and Sarah's relationship. Yeah. Or maybe more so her and Amanda's that there's a mind spot was closer to yeah, Amanda. Yeah, I and think Sarek, it's her and Sarah that someone who is human, Sarah can bond with, and yet he can't yeah. bond with his own half human son. Yeah. Properly, which is... And Sarek's been very supportive of Michael in Starfleet, but we know from Journey to Babel that he's not... Not supportive of Spock. So, yeah, it could well be that. Spock sort of digs into Michael a little bit and says, your problem is that you're taking responsibility for things that are beyond your control, like the death of your parents and the Klingon war. Yeah. And I think he's right. Yeah, like, it's what we were saying before, they've got insights into each other. Yeah. So I, I actually think they're both right in what they're looking yeah, at each I other. Yeah, they are. But they're also probably the only two people who can help each other in it. That's it. I, th- I think they're both trying to help each other as well. But at this stage, in both cases, the other one's been quite resistant yeah. to it. So they're trying to help the other while resisting being helped themselves. Yeah. And both of them are doing it, which... And then Spock sort of admits that He's feeling anger. He feels like he's failed. And Michael questions him as a Vulcan or as a human. And we, we don't get an answer. But he says he's enjoying emotion at the minute. And he smashes up the chessboard. Yeah. So it is a different Spock than where we find him in the original series. Yeah. And it's it, they are taking him on a journey that gets him there. And it it's also, it could be seen as a way of addressing the fact that he appears more emotional in the cage, and a lot of people well, have yeah, talked I about think that, that over makes the a lot, years. Like we've said that before, so now we're saying he's got some emotions at this point. He's on a journey. He gets disturbed, so the cage is starting to make a lot more sense around them emotions. Yeah, it does, and it's they're doing. A, I feel they're doing a good job here of bridging the continuity, and then we go back to the bridge. Tilly's still working on decoding Ash's messages. And it's this point, like you say, where they turn into little buzzsaws, the mines, and not only that, but instead of them being attracted to the shields, the shields are down, so it's not that. They're actually actively being guided towards yeah. them. And so it's, you know, it's basically we're building to a, an action sequence here where they've got to get the ship through. And then it's this point that Arium sends Tilly away, the lights flash again. And, yeah, I think you're right at this stage that... She, she's been controlled. Yeah. So she's sending Tilly away so she can get on with what, whatever she's been told to do. Yeah. Which is like she's been told to hack, hack this yeah. ship. Basically, we see that she's downloading something. We don't yeah. know exactly what it is at this stage. Though I did think on her screen the downloading thing was huge. 
It's like surely you'd minimise that window so people <laughs> don't know what's up with you. Yes, but it's so that as the audience we can see it. That's true. That's true. She's been very thoughtful for yeah, the audience. I think, I think at times they have to put things like that yeah, for the do. audience because if if everything was minimised, that's true. We wouldn't say anything, which would be well. Yeah, it won't work. I'll, I'll concede that one then. And then there's a new type of mine, the blackout mines, which block the sensors, meaning basically Detman's got to fly the ship blind. And they determine that um, the computer basically is playing it like a game. You know, they say it's not a game, but then Michael says, well, what if it was? And we can outplay the computer by doing something random. Yeah, being random. And that's tying back into, like we were talking about, the human element. Yeah. And the way they do it is each of the bridge crew calls out a different manoeuvre and Detmer goes into that manoeuvre. The only thing I thought with that is, if it's a computer that knows Starfleet, it'll know all these manoeuvres, even if yeah. it doesn't know the order they're coming in. Yeah. So why don't she just freestyle it? like Get a joystick she, out. Yeah, she could Get, have said... And it's a Riker episode and all. Exactly. It, it totally messed up. It could have yeah. had continuity. To his uh, insurrection there with his joystick manoeuvre. And what they should have done, because it's a prequel, is it should have been like a Commodore 64 joystick instead of uh, an Amiga joystick or whatever he's got in <laughs> Insurrection. Yeah. Should have had an old one. Yeah. Or uh, yeah. what were them laser pens you used to have that you could draw on telly with and all that really. There'll be people listening to this who have no idea what we're talking about now. I think everyone knows about Insurrection and Joystick, so they'll they do know they'll about get that. the reference. But yeah, there's in, in Zenit with Spectrum and Laser Pens, maybe not. Um, so yeah, that would have been a good time to go manual and get the joystick yeah. out. But and Continuity would yeah. have been made. Freaksy missed a trick Insurrection would have been a whole different movie That's again. It, that would have improved Insurrection. <laughs> It had made Insurrection the most important film and just kept the joystick throughout all of the series. Um, then, when they get through the field and everything, um, we find the Admiral, the Vulcan Admiral, comes on the screen and they have a bit of a conversation there. And she says that Starfleet commanders actually ordered her to attack them. It's not yeah, Section 30. That's why it's been caught. Well, he's asked for confirmation from Starfleet and can't get through. Yeah. And that's the excuse. And then Cornwall says, basically, she thinks that this might have swayed Pike and she's basically asking him to still go along with her plan. And he gets another great yeah, line where he I says... I love this line. He says, <laughs> what is it about the look on my face that makes you think I've changed my mind? <laughs> so, yeah, the Michelle Paradise is definitely a Pike writer. Yeah. I wonder if they did, ever did a Pike spin-off, whether she'd be a good showrunner for it, but that's something to think about in the future anyway. Yeah. Back in engineering then, the power goes out, and Spock's got a good sarky line where he says, um, this makes, makes my work impossible, and I'm not being hyperbolic by saying the fate of the galaxy is at stake. <laughs> and then Stamets takes it down to his level and basically says, well, you can't do anything without the lights on. And Spock says, oh, fair point, and goes to help him. So it's a nice character scene, I think, that plays to both of their strengths. Yeah. And they get sort of almost a bonding moment, really. Um, like Stamets talks to Spock about trying to help him really understand why he chose him. He's saying, you know, you'll get it, you'll work it out. And Spock returns that by talking about... Um, Culber and he suggests that maybe Culber's not left you because the way he feels about you has changed it's the way he feels about himself has changed and maybe that's why he needs a little bit of time and you know it's it's a nice moment between yeah. the characters a nice bit of bonding between them then um, it's a really inconsequential scene that you know usually we might not bother talking about but I found the briefing scene interesting just because Michael's not in it we get a scene where there's Cornwall, Pike, Arium, Nan and Detmer and that briefing about the mission they're about to go on and Michael's not there. And it's like, yeah. wow, they found a mission that Michael can just go along with but isn't the key person. Which I thought, you know, that's, yeah, about that's time. pretty cool for Discovery. <laughs> yeah. And yeah, they Arium, find that quite difficult, haven't they? Which yeah. Which is 
quite annoying. It, it, it's, I mean, it, we've talked about it before. It's, I, I don't mind Michael being the main character and everything, but it, it's when it pushes the credulity of it that she's the best person for every job. Yeah. And this one, she's just another person on the away team, so I quite liked it. Arium, of course, at this stage, actively volunteers herself for the mission, and we're about to find out why. So, on the station, it's low gravity, so they're in the suit. It's a bit like Star Trek VI, where they board the Klingon yeah. ship. And there's, um, there's basically a, a jump scare from a horror film where you get a dead Tellarite pops up. And I'm wondering now... If that's the Admiral we saw a few episodes back. I think it back, probably is. Because they find a frozen um, well, Tellarite, a frozen Andorian. Well, they, find, they find the Vulcan ambassador and recognise yeah. him. But they do actually transmit on the over the, tan, over the, inter, over the communicators yeah. that they found the Admirals. Yeah, so I so think... I think they've, yeah. It's a good bit of continuity and it's not one that necessarily you'd pick up on immediately, but it's nice that they've brought these people back to keep that carrying over yeah. in terms of who's in charge we do have, of 31. Has it happened yet where we have Saru says I've, I'm working on something? Yeah, it's around this time. Yeah. And it's it's very very underplayed. Very it's quick. very underplayed and like there's all this stuff going on and he goes, I've got something I need to work on. <laughs> yeah, I think that's actually how Michael ends up on the away team. So yeah. originally he's going to send Saru. Yeah. But Saru says I've got something to work on so yeah. But yeah, he goes off to do something. And then there's this kind of growing mystery of, you know, what's happened on this station. And then when we find the Admiral, we find out that she's been dead two weeks. Yeah. Which doesn't make sense because she's just been talking to them. Yeah. <laughs> and that's where we go back to Saru. And he's realised that the Admiral's a hologram because he checked the heat signatures on the recording. Yeah. And they didn't change. Usually, he, he says when people get angry, their emotional state changes. Yeah, there's changes in your infrared and ultraviolet. Yeah. And so it's a pretty cool scientific way of working it out. And it shows that when they send transmissions, they transmit a lot of data. If they're transmitting heat and everything, yeah, it's it's not just an image that we're yeah, getting transmitted. It's it's everything about that, yeah. that area, which is. I think that's fairly new information from what we've had before, but it, I think it's good and it makes sense. It makes sense. sense with all the scanners to have on yeah, everywhere. It that they just it records everything in one block. Yeah. And then this is where we get sort of an exoneration for Spock because he uses the same technique that is applied to this to the recording of Spock killing the um doctors and whatnot. Yeah, and you realise it's all holograms. It's all been done with holograms, so like we said earlier on, they've made a, a kick-ass Spock hologram. Yeah. And obviously that means Section 31's framed him, which means that Control has framed him, because as we now know... The Admirals haven't been doing... Yeah, the, the real people who are in charge are being long dead, so it's actually been this computer yeah, that's We know been, they've been dead two weeks, but how long is, have they actually not been in charge... Well, that's it, yeah. We don't find out, we don't know that, actually. So it's likely that it was Control itself that's been framing Spock rather than... Right from the beginning. Because, like, Leland, we've never seen get orders from the Admirals. We've only ever seen him sort of get, yeah, orders, get orders from, from, from control. control. So so I think it was Cornwall who was talking to the other Admirals, wasn't it? Yeah. So it, it, all of Section 31 potentially have been played by this computer at For this time. For quite a long time. yeah. And then, while this is all going on and we're finding out about Spock and everything in the background, uh, we see Tilly going to Arium's station. So she's obviously realised that Arium was acting a bit... Strange. A bit strangely, and she finds out what Arium's actually been doing, which was she was offloading all of her memories. So she's cleaned out her own memory database in order to replace it. Um, with something else so what I thought about this is if Arium's deleting her memories surely that's going to have an impact on her morality because you know we're, we're made up of our memories and yeah 
everything. Yeah, it's so it's going to be how she reacts with people. And so the the version that is down on the station is probably even more dangerous because she doesn't remember these these links that she's had yeah. to these people. I mean, we can only assume that Arium has been augmented because something happened to her. Well, we get we find we have been told this. In this episode, there was a shuttle crash. Yeah. Ah, so the shuttlecraft that killed yeah. the husband is what? Yeah, is what happened. Right. That's why she's been augmented. So they've augmented her, and it's clearly they've had to do a lot of work on her brain, and she can't... They've clearly had to do a lot of work on, on all everything. of it. <laughs> yeah. And she can't remember things in a normal way, which is why she has to yeah. delete everything. So, yeah, I found that very interesting that she'll be operating essentially not as herself because yeah. she she doesn't know who she is, you know, so the memories and are she's gone. She's not going to have the emotional ties to people. and Yeah. And then back on the station, this is the bit where she rips off Nan's breathing tube and for me, that was when I thought, right, that's why she asked her earlier on. Yeah, I thought she seemed a bit suspicious yeah. at the time anyway, so... And it's, it's a pretty good fight scene, this, because... I don't know if they were almost applying a sort of low gravity effect because it's it's almost a bit matrixy. Yeah, when they jump and things, they seem to be moving slower and. Yeah, I think there's still look, they've said they've re-established gravity and yeah and atmosphere, but to what extent have they got the the gravity working? Is yeah, so it, it makes this fight scene look a little bit different. It makes it a bit more dynamic, and I liked all that stuff. And it, it culminates, basically, Michael manages to lock Arium in an airlock where she can't get at the computers. And then we find out that what she's actually downloaded this time is not the whole of the probe data, but specifically what it knew about artificial intelligence. Yeah, but she's also how to link into... Yeah. And she they, they theorise at this stage that Control wants all this information because it wants to evolve. Yeah. And the probe know, basically knows everything that there is to know about AI. So if there's a way of doing it, the probe will have learned it and Control's trying to get, get a hold of it. It did make me think, though, that she must have a huge hard drive because we've established that the, the probe was ancient. So everything that it's accumulated, even only on one subject, is still going to be a colossal... Yeah, it was also a colossal size, was that? yeah. Was the spheres? I'm. Um, I don't think she's taken the old. I'm a bit dubious on the size of data compression. Yeah, because if she like they've compressed the entire sphere data into Discovery's memory. Yeah, and now they're just compressing it even further into area. Well, but it's only about AI. It's not yeah. all of the sphere, but but even the so, thing is, if if Arium has to delete her memories weekly because presumably there's not enough memory to remember everything she does, then it seems like you say that I don't think there'd be enough memory to take on what we've been told. But I suppose then she's she'll be just getting facts and figures from the probe rather yeah. than full... You know, a memory has much more... Yeah. sensory yeah. impact how to it, it feels what yeah. the temperature exactly smell. so presumably there's not Green. as much of that in the probe data but either way this is what we're going with she's done it yeah. and she's going to give it to control there's a nice scene where Tilly's trying to get through to her by saying I'm going to send you your memories and do you remember this bit and she shows her the scene we saw earlier on yeah. where they're, they're sort of chatting with each other and everything and Arium does kind of break Come, through. Yeah, comes back a little bit. And she says, Control's overriding her, mo her motor functions. And basically, she's asking Michael to kill her to yeah. open the airlock door. Because I can't control it. I will kill you and I will give yeah, this to Yeah, she says, and then I'll go on and I'll destroy Discovery. And, you yeah. know, it's clear that Control was setting her up to do quite a bit, you know. And then Michael struggles with the order, you know, there's bits where Pike's telling her, you've got to do it now, you've got to do it now, but she's wanting to try and find another solution, and I, I think that's believable, I can yeah, understand. I could, uh, yeah, I can understand, I don't want to kill some, I don't want to kill my comrade, my friend. And Sonequa Martin-Green again is really, really good in this scene, like you can see 
sort of tears of anger and yeah, stuff yeah, in people her eyes. Gone and she's... I've heard a lot of people complaining about Sonic uh, crying a lot, but no, I think she shows true emotion. I think she, she does. She's and a really good emotional actor. And I don't think she cries when it's unnecessary. No. It, you know, the writers have given her a lot to cry about over yeah. these two seasons, so... Then Arium says, it's all because of you, Michael. You have to find Project Daedalus. I didn't like the it's all because of you, Michael thing. No. That almost feels like that that's trolling a certain part of the fan base. Yeah, it's almost confirming, yeah, everything is about Michael. And it's, you know, it's clearly designed to set up a bit of intrigue, you know, how does it all link to Michael and... But it... I don't know, it just felt a little bit too on the nose yeah. for me. Especially considering, as we've said, how much flack they've had for it. For and, and I'm... I like Michael Burnham as a character. I like Michael Burnham as a character. My, co- my problem is, like I said earlier, I want to see other characters be yeah. able to be the mission specialist on the... And, and this episode And this episode do does it. Yeah. And then, you know, the final sort of close in the episode is... We see Arian floating in space and she's replaying that honeymoon memory again. Yeah, her favourite memory, which, which I is, think. Yeah, what Tilly sent her. And, it, you know, it is... To say we knew next to nothing it was a, about her... It was also a very brave way how they ended the episode because it literally goes... She's playing it, the honeymoon episode and it starts freezing. Yeah. And you got get system failure and it just stops. Yeah, it just goes to black and... And, it's, and the episode's finished. And the credits... I, at least at the start, I believe a silent. You know, we don't yeah. go straight into the music. Yeah, there's or no anything. music. It's it's very well done. Yeah, it's and that's that's something that you you only sort of got recently with modern TV that they'd play around with the format. You know, usually it'd be you'd go to end credits regardless. Yeah, whether it ends happy, sad, indifferent, whatever It'd your end credit same. music is, you're but getting no, that. No, it it plays the entire thing thing is just silent all yeah the, it's really like, good through. really well done and um as i say like to say we hardly knew anything about Arium, i think they do a good job of telling us enough about her and getting us to sympathize with her that when she does die it it does feel like a loss yeah even though we've not got a lot from her i think next time they kill a character off though i'd like to have had a bit more of getting to know them first. Yeah, definitely. So it really hits you hard in there. Yeah, so you actually, <laughs> you've cared about a character from the start. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, you can look at this the cynical way and go, well, they knew they were going to kill her, so they thought they'd give her a bit of time in the limelight. But whichever way you take it, I mean, I'm glad we did this and I'm glad we got to know her. Yeah. Um, but like you said, that it'd be good if we had an episode on Bryce, say, and we find out who Bryce is, what his deal is. Yeah. And it's on an it's on an away mission with someone else. We get some bonding, whatever, some yeah. discussions, find out about him. And two or three episodes later, bang, blow him away. Oh we would be invested in him then though. Yeah. Well we don't even have to kill him, we can just get to know the characters. Oh, sorry, are we, are we talking about getting to know and then and, kill? Yeah, well we can do, yeah, we can kill them all off. Well, I'm sure not that I have anything against Bryce, it's just... No, no, I just picked a name out of the hat yeah. there, but... <laughs> yeah. I just think it'd be nice to have more than just one episode of getting it, to know yeah. them, and then and killing them that same episode, that we could get more invested in Yeah, them. it would be better to get to know the characters, regardless of whether we kill them yeah. or not, but like you say, it does have more impact if it's like if um, are earlier. Saru got killed off now in season three... Yeah. It'd be a big shocker to everyone. And yeah, it, it would. Because a lot of us are invested in it. So we have got to know Saru, yeah. like you say. I mean, I think in some ways the and criticisms... It's quite, I quite like TV like that, where it gives a shock. And yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's something, again, with modern TV, we can do it a lot more. It, it's a lot more flexible in those terms, whereas... You know, in the old days, if you signed a contract to do a show for six years, there were no way you were going getting, anywhere. Yeah, you weren't getting killed off. Whereas, you know, things like Walking Dead, Game of Thrones... Well, I'm, I'm watching Game of Thrones at the moment, and it's main character, dead. Yeah. <laughs> main character, <And> again. Dead. <laughs> I think he's the hero, dead. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, Walking Dead does much the same thing. Yeah. And you, you can do that now in shows and get away with it. I mean, I, I read a thing... 
Um, the Russell T. Davis did a really good book called, um, I think it was called A Writer's Tale or something, and it's basically email exchanges between him and his assistant uh, from when he was the showrunner of Doctor Who when it came back. And he really wanted to have a shock regeneration one episode um, where nothing went out, nobody yep. knew it was going to be that Doctor's last episode. It would just came out of the blue and then a new doctor comes in and he said that the reason you can't do it is because actors have to um, make themselves available for new work yeah so if he was going to kill David Tennant one week David Tennant's agent months before would be advertising would for new work for him shopping him around yeah so obviously then the tabloids would jump on it and they'd know something would yeah. happen so he says unfortunately we don't work in a creative environment where you can do that, but it would be amazing if you could do something like that. And I think the world maybe has changed a little bit since he said that, because Game of Thrones certainly did it. Yeah. And Walking Dead's done it. And Walking Dead's pretended it's going to kill someone and they're not done and things like that. Yeah. Um... But like, like, for example, in Star Trek, everyone knew Denise Crosby was going. And everybody knew uh, Terry Farrell was leaving DS9. Yeah, I wonder if it's because of how the film Doctor Who, the film it quite a long time before it airs. That's true as well. Where yeah. things like Game of Thrones and Walking Dead, they're not fil- they're still filming while it's they going. Are, when yeah. it started going out, it's yeah, that's true. It's like um, so but- we'll pay you till the end of the season. Yeah, but you're only doing half a season, so you don't yeah. have to shop around. <laughs> yeah, that's fair enough. Anyway, whatever the reason, we're we're going to be Ariamless yeah. next time, and uh, um, not quite, not quite. No, there's um, nearly Ariamless, the, the, and there's some <laughs> casting shenanigans that have gone on that we'll talk about. Yeah, next yeah, episode. there's a couple of casting shenanigans. But um, anything else on this one before we wrap up? No, I think we've wrapped it up quite well. Okay, so that was Project Daedalus. We'll be back next time to see how the crew of Discovery copes without Arium, or mostly without Arium. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you for trekking with us this time. We'll see you next time on the retrack. Thanks a lot. Bye bye.